Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast and being a part of our church family here at New Hope. Our senior pastor, Dr. Benji Kelly, is currently leading us through the entire Bible in a series called The Story. Now here's Dr. Kelly with this week's podcast. Morning. You folks enjoying this special Memorial Day weekend of worship that we're having here? That, that was fun. Welcome to the campuses. We love you guys and uh, just excited about gathering around the table with you and actually redeeming technology so that we can do so together. So as I pointed out last week, we're a quarter of the way through this series titled The Story. Hard, hard to imagine that we're already a quarter of the way through. And what I thought we would do today as we make our way to the table is that we would just reflect upon where we've been. And again, since we've kind of taken a break from the story, it's a great opportunity for all of us to get caught up on our readings. But just think about where we've been. It all started on Easter Sunday. The ultimate story that has enabled the rest of the story to really make sense, if you will. In other words, I believe the future and the past is only really clearly seen when you see it through an empty tomb. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so we started on Easter and we celebrated the resurrection. And then the very next Sunday, I think it was around April 3rd, we introduced the whole story that we were going to be engaged in. And then the very next week, we started in the beginning, in Genesis. And we looked at creation and we looked at the way, and this is a very important theological nugget for you to always make sure you remember because you can look at this world and you can start to convince yourself this world is jacked up and it's always been that way. If you go down that road, that's poor theology. In other words, we must remember that God created it all in the beginning and if God is good, therefore it was all good in the beginning. And therefore that is why we call it Paradise, the paradise in the garden, if you will. God created it was good. But God gave us choice. God gave us free will. And in the midst of choice and free will, you know what humanity has always been able to do because all you have to do is look in the mirror. And we all fall short of the glory of God. And they fell short and God sacrificed the very first animal. The shedding of blood, the very first shedding of blood that we find in human history is in Genesis. God sacrifices the animal and then takes skin from the animal and clothes them. Then you might recall after creation, where did we go? We went to God's promise to build a nation with Abraham, April 17th. After that, we had the great Sunday, come on, when the Daraja Choir was here and rocked the house. And I, if I might say so myself, rocked the house with Joseph's coat of many colors. What you talking about? I've had so many of you say, man, you should have just, you should have strutted across the stage and did a Ric Flair. Woo! (laughs) And like, damn, why didn't I think of that? Right? Joseph, man. The problems, into the pit, into the promises, and into understanding God's potential for his life, where God eventually put him in the palace to live out his destiny. After that, we talked about the deliverance with Moses. That was around May 1. May 8th, you'll recall, I preached on the Ten Commandments. 
You never really break God's commandments. I don't think I said this that day, by the way. You never really break God's commandments. You know this, don't you? You just break yourself when you choose to disobey. They are guidelines. They are gracious guidelines to keep your life in the lanes, as it were, and not in the ditches of life. Then after that, we talked about wandering in the wilderness. Talked about wandering in the wilderness. God put old Moses in charge of the people of Israel, and that mug wandered around for 40 years. Just like a man wouldn't stop and ask for directions. <laughs> then we talked about the battle begins at Jericho. The Jericho battle, May 22nd, last week. If you missed any of these, they're in the Resource Center. And today we thought it would be good to take a break, reflect upon where we've been, give us all a time to catch our breath, and get toward the table. And to move us toward the table today, God has led me to actually camp out on something that I didn't have time to camp out on last week. It's the most beautiful glimmer of hope that you look at in the Joshua story. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 2. Of course, I'm talking about Rahab, the prostitute. And last week, if you were here, we really came to terms with the wrath of God. You remember that? The judgment of God. And how dare us criticize the judgment of God. In fact, I think I put it like this. We must be wary of criticizing. Hey, why don't we, they got it on the screens. These people are amazing. Why don't we just read it out loud together? Ready? One, two, three, go. We must be wary of criticizing the wrath of God being poured out on evil without clearly considering how long the patience of God had stretched out. So I reminded us last week that we have to be careful with that, that problem. We have to be careful with being judgmental of the wrath of God. God had been patient for a very, very long time. And we went to Deuteronomy. But then we went into Joshua, and I just really had to, to talk about that. And we skipped over, I mentioned it in passing, but we skipped over the passage on Rahab. And um, I just want to read some scripture to you today. Say a few words to you, and then let's have communion together. If, you, if you're in Joshua 2, the Bible says this. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. You better be careful with that one if you go reading, reading scripture out loud. God help us. Go. You know, y'all have gotten to the point in 14 years, you've kind of gotten to the point where you've gotten to know me so well and I've gotten to know you. You, you just kind of, you kind of, you kind of, you, you, um, you tease me on. Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute. A what? Let that sink in. 
a prostitute named Rahab, and they stayed there. Now, just kind of keep your Bible open there or your phone or your app or whatever the case may be. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. You might know the story. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. So King Jericho comes down on, on, on Rahab and says, hey, we know you're hiding them. Where are they? But the woman who had taken the two men and hidden them, she said, verse 4, if you're following along, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went, she said. In other words, she lied. Let's skip on down to verse 8. You'll see this on the screens. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water in the Red Sea. Now, now stop right there. I can't resist this. What, what does the Bible say? We had heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. Now, this is very, very important. Again, back to the wrath and the judgment of God that we talked about last week. Word had spread. They knew of the power and the majesty and the holiness of God. So you can't start saying, well, why did the judgment and the wrath come on them? Maybe they didn't know. Oh, no, they knew. And then as I pointed out last week, King Melchizedek, right? Priest Melchizedek, Melchizedek was there. And they, they knew of what God was doing. They knew of what God was up to. And they still lived in their sin. That was that patience of God that had stretched out. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for when you came out of Egypt and when you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Keep going. Verse 12. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brother and sister, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from what church? From death. Okay? Let's just keep going. Let's just keep reading scripture. I, lo I love this chapter. It is like a silver lining in the Joshua battle story. Verse 12, now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, brothers and sisters who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. If I, you're thinking, didn't he just read that? I did. <laughs> Verse 14, our lives for your lives. The man assured her, if you don't tell me what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So you see, they kind of have worked out a deal. Okay? We hit them. Hey, we're going to hit them. We're, we're going to hide them. We're going to save them for you. If we do and if they survive, God, take care of us. Don't, don't destroy us. Verse 17. Now the men had said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land you have tied. This is the key point. You have tied this, what is it? 
this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers, and all your family into your house, if any of them go outside your house into the street, their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. Now, we really didn't have time to unpack this last week. But when I read Joshua chapter 2, I see this amazing connection between the scarlet cord that enabled a glimmer of hope, a silver lining, if you will, to this wrathful judgment section of Scripture, a silver lining of grace that enables us to come to terms that even in the midst of the most judgmental parts of Scripture where God had full authority and right to put His judgment and wrath on display, right? We see an amazing story where a prostitute hangs out of her window, a scarlet cord, scarlet as you probably know, is this brilliant red color that she hangs out of her window, which is a sign of what God would do in saving her in the midst of this judgment? Do you remember the Passover where they put the red blood over the door frames? If you stick with me here for just a moment, there is this this scarlet color that runs through the Bible that enables God to pass over us and deliver us. The scarlet cord, the blood over the door frame, and might I say what all of you are thinking anyway, the scarlet blood of Jesus. The scarlet blood of Jesus. Ephesians, you're going to see this verse come up on the screen from the book of Ephesians. New Testament now. In him, we have what? Through his what, church? The what? Forgiveness of sins from the top. Go. In him, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. Not too long ago. The New England Journal of Medicine reported of a new kind of therapy being used to treat leukemia. I've always told you we're, we're not anti-science. I believe science and the faith of the Bible, the faith of Christianity, I believe, are not mutually exclusive, but rather complementary if you work them together with eyes of faith. So let's tap into the scientific world for just a moment. Check this out. A new kind of therapy, New England Journal of Medicine, to treat leukemia. It's called blood cord 
therapy. Those of you in the medical field, you will know exactly what I am talking about. Oncologists are having some degree of success by taking blood from an umbilical cord and doing bone marrow transplants into patients with leukemia. What's just as amazing is that the donors don't have to be an exact match. Wouldn't it be awesome? Come on. Wouldn't it be just fantastic if they could transplant a type of blood that could deal with any disease to your body? Come on. Well, I stopped by to let you know that there is a blood. Come on, church. Drawn from Emmanuel's veins that has done exactly that. It is a blood that covers you, and it is in that blood, Ephesians 1, that we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And so today, how powerful it is that we get to celebrate, that we get to receive the blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Call it blood therapy, if you like. A blood therapy divinely given by the God of the universe. The only blood that could serve as redemption, serve as cleansing of your sins and mine. The blood of Christ shed for you. The blood that flowed from the body which was broken for you. Broken, beaten, bruised for you. But not to stay that way. One who would go to the cross, die a sinner's death because someone had to die for your sin. And who the Father would raise to new life on Easter Sunday morning. The blood of Christ. The bread of Christ. Shed and broken for you. Let us taste as the psalmist would say. And see that the Lord is good. We serve an open table at New Hope. What that means is it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. All that matters is that you desire Christ. Now let me warn you that the Bible says let us search ourselves. Let us the word they use is let us examine ourselves. So you examine yourself today. And if you're willing to humble yourself, if you're willing to receive a piece of bread and a cup of juice, this sacred meal, this Lord's Supper, this Holy Communion, this Eucharist, whatever you want to call it, at the end of the day represents an amazing blood therapy that God has given for you for the forgiveness of your sins. So take, eat, take, drink the body and the blood of Christ. Almighty God, we give you thanks for Holy Communion. This is your table, Lord. That's why we call it the Lord's Supper. With your Holy Spirit, as we started this service, Lord, we invited you into this place. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Envelop these elements. Use them, Almighty God, to 
cleanse us from the inside out. We receive them as redemption for our sins. Forgiveness from the cost, the price, ultimately the death of sin we receive. And we pray it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now they're going to bring the elements to you today. Sometimes we wait and receive them together. But today I'm going to invite you as you get them to just commune with God. Hold on to the bread and the wine. Reflect upon them. Examine your life. Confess your sin. And when you are ready, you receive the body and the blood of Christ. So we'll just kind of take it when we're ready. And the core team will lead us. The table has been prepared. And you are invited. Thanks for being a part of this week's podcast. If you have any prayer requests or praises, we'd love to hear from you. Just email our pastors and staff at prayers at newhopenc.org, and we would love to pray for you. If you'd like to support the ministries of New Hope, just stop by one of our campuses or visit us online at newhopechurch.org. We hope you'll join us next week for the podcast, and thanks for being a part of our church family.